Whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Yeah, hello and welcome to Mojo Sports, the NRL show season two, episode 51. 51, my name is Dan Frost and as always, I'm supported by the best panel in the business and tonight, well, we've got Mickey and we've got Coz, but as we've been teasing a little bit on the socials, we welcome two brand new panelists to the NRL show and we're very, very excited. Uh, let's dive into the warm up and let's do some introductions. And the one. And a two, and a one, two, three. Play it on the Bishop wore buttless chaps to the bat mitzvah. Have a great broadcast. You too, darling. All right, team, let's dive straight into it. Now, we are very, very excited to be introducing uh, Keon and Mia Carter. Um, guys, welcome. It, it, you know, obviously, this is, uh, this is pretty big news for Mojo Sports, and we're really excited to introduce you to all of our listeners. So um, yeah, Mia, you, you dive in first and just tell us a little bit about yourself, your connection to rugby league, and maybe the team that you support as well. Yeah, well, thanks for the intro, Dan. <laughs> really built us up there. I love that. Um, yeah, so my name is Mia Carter. Um, I worked for the NRL for about six years in the game development department, uh, but personally have also grown up playing rugby league and supporting rugby league. So Big fan of the game, lucky enough to work in it. Um, and my favourite team that I am supporting is the Newcastle Knights. Ooh, so okay. in a bit of strife at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Now, me and you, um, I have been podcasting, been on a couple of other shows as well for, you know, this is probably my third year and I've been so patient as a Newcastle Knights supporter here in Nanta. But I tell you what, my friend, my patience is running low. But anyway, let, let's have a let's have a bit of a hey, we'll attack the nights uh, a little bit later. That's for sure. But yeah. uh, welcome, my friend. That is uh, it's absolutely <laughs> great to have you on the show, um, Keon. Welcome as, as well. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you. Um, well, my love of footy started when I was little with dad living down um, in the Illawarra. But I definitely don't support the Dragons. Um, I support the Melbourne Storm. Oh, nice. um, but when I finished uni, I moved to Melbourne and did. Uh, game development work down there with the Storm. And then I jumped around a bit through Victoria and overseas in England teaching. And then I spent six years at NRL heading up the female participation for Queensland. Um, did a bit of work across New South Wales and WA there with that too to try and build those pathways. But uh, the last three years I've been at Marsden State High. It's, um, involved in girls footy there. It's so exciting. And, um, you know, obviously we've got our women in league show as well on the Mojo Sports Network. And, yeah, just thinking about your connections and what you guys are doing with some of the next generation, it's really exciting. Not to mention you can tip me up on the next big and up-and-coming players. So I'll look <laughs> like a genius on that show. But, um, yeah, and you guys are a married couple. So um, we do a little bit of banter and fighting here. So as a married couple, there is a little bit of, you know, fighting on the show. Uh, that, that'll suit it just fine. Because me and Coz, you know, we're New South Wales, Queensland, so we've got a little bit of banter going as well. But, uh, guys, <laughs> it is great to have you on the show. And, um, well, no time to waste. Let's dive into our first uh, segment of the night. It's one of our favourites here at Mojo Sports. It is All Ball. Every franchise has had tons of great players and legendary personalities, but who stands out above the rest? Is Cameron Smith, this outstanding leader. Thurston, he hits it, he's yes! got it! He's got the field goal! Andrew John, inside for Elba. You just knew something special was going to happen. 
All right, team, let's dive into our Legend Series. Let's keep it rolling. And this week, we are talking all things Paul Gallen. Really excited about this episode. Now, it seems like, uh, I guess, lately in the news, it's all about Paul Gallen and Sonny Bill Williams and their boxing careers. It's a bit of a tired narrative, to be honest, guys. Just get it sorted out. Just, I don't know. Let's, let, let's you know, Mojo, we'll figure out some sponsorship. Let's get it happening. But before the boxing... Before the media, there was uh, an incredible, an incredible rugby league career and one that we can celebrate as well as poke a little bit of fun at Coz uh, again tonight with another <laughs> New South Wales legend. Coz, I'm going to let you have a bit of a wind-up here and have a, have your go at Paul Gallen. Um, you know, <laughs> I'm just going to let you go because, uh, you know, Queenslanders, they were born to hate Paul Gallen. Paul Gallen was born to hate Queenslanders, but, uh, it, you know, it made for a pretty special era there for uh, – yeah, for New South Wales and Queensland. Yeah, I think we've spoken about Paul before. He's not my favourite person slash player. Um, but as I said, I think you need these type of characters in the game because we just love to hate him. And I think he he loves that we hate him as well and sort of fed off that, especially in, in the Origin Arena. I think I will, obviously, he was a good player and he had a good work rate and all that, but just not a fan. So just grubby. <laughs> no, nah, no, nah, didn't like him. So I think uh, we're going to talk him up. It'll, I'll leave it to everyone else to say the good stuff. Yeah, but to- I do think he was he's a, was a good character and one that uh, real. It's probably you know one of those players you probably don't mind playing with, but you'd really love to play against and just fire up. And to be honest, I think you know judging by the last series we had, a, a Paul Gallon type. You know, they're talking about like Hudson Young, maybe, you know, as, as kind of a guy that we kind of miss. I agree. Victor Radley's, you know, you need a guy with a bit of shit in his game. And Paul Gallon, he certainly, certainly brought that at every level, every game, his entire career. Speaking of that, let's go through some stats. 348 games. Absolutely ridiculous there for the Cronulla Sharks. Goes down as an absolute legend. Uh, played a couple of games for City. 24 uh, matches for New South Wales, not to mention, um, you know, the captaincy and, and uh, obviously leading his state through what was a very challenging time. Equally as impressive was his performances for his country. 32 uh, matches played for Australia. We'll talk a little bit about that later, but in a team that was basically Queensland at the Australian level, Paul Gallen was one of the first players picked. So that's pretty impressive. Uh, Mia, let, let's 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 kick it off and, and talk a little bit about your earliest memories of Paul Gallen because, you know, back back you know at the, the start of his career, Paul he was he was just that that hard nosed forward. He was a bit of a battler. He was, he was, and like Coz uh, touched on before, the thing that I loved the most about him as a proud Blues supporter myself was his work rate. You know, in the middle of the park, he played in some of the toughest positions that you can play in rugby league. And, you know, there was never a game where Gal would, would leave the field and, and you'd be saying to yourself, oh, geez, you know, he left, he left a little bit in the tank there, didn't he? He didn't really give us, like, every single game you knew what you were going to get from him. And I guess, like, growing up and watching him play, although I, did, I do not play in the, the front row, um, I, I still admired his work ethic and I admired his passion and what he brought to the game, especially as a Blues fan. I loved, I loved his intensity and his, and his effort in the middle there. It was pretty special. It was pretty ridiculous, to be honest. The, the motor that he had and, 
you know, there was periods there where the game really shifted. You know, there wasn't too many 80-minute front rowers. And, and if there was, you know, the ability to kind of play at the same intensity from the first five minutes through to the last, you know, couple of minutes in a game. And then suddenly Paul Gallen was doing it week in, week out. And, you know, you could see a bit of an evolution there. But Paul Gallen definitely was a big part of that in terms of an 80-minute player, and uh, yeah, he was he he was going at it. Hard to believe he, he could he could do it. To be honest, Mickey, interested in your perspective of Paul because obviously you know you're a little bit younger coming through, watching some of the modern day players. But what's your what's your sort of um, you know memories and, and and thoughts on Paul? Because um, yeah, an incredible player. I always remember like watching him versus the Roosters, and I was always like always calling him a little grub. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I feel like every team sort of has a little grub player, you need it. Um, but, yeah, he was he was sort of like um, he was really durable. Like he was, a yeah, as everyone else said, like he was a workhorse, just was always there. Um, you knew that he was there as well. Like he, you, you don't watch a game where he's playing and you think, oh, I don't remember seeing Paul Gallon out there because he was always out there putting a shot on. Like I know he was always getting put on report and suspended. <laughs> yeah, and taking, and taking the shit carries as well. He must have like a, excuse me, he must have a great collection of suits, you know, after all these trips to the judiciary, he must have like a really, anyway, Paul, get in touch and uh, <laughs> let's have a bit of a look at some of them. Uh, pretty incredible. Um, Keon, talk to me about Paul because, you know, one of the things that probably doesn't get spoken about enough is he, is a, he's a very different body shape. I mean, you would go as far to say that he's undersized. I mean, he's five foot ten. I know that he cheats a little bit and probably puts maybe a little, you know, I don't know. Does he put anything in his boots to kind of give him a couple more inches? But he, look, he's five foot ten. Obviously, got a lot of weight behind him. But you know, it, you know, Paul never looked like a player that was getting intimidated or beaten one on one. I mean, he was coming up against some much bigger athletes. But you know, he. You know, maybe there was instances where you could call it a draw, but a lot of the times he came out on top. Yeah, I think that's the difference with him, though. He's like a love you or hate you kind of player, but his biggest asset, I believe, was his fitness and his just absolute will and determination for the game. And, you know, that can be said in how many series losses he had as captain for the New South Wales. But, yeah, he kept showing up. He was there week in, week out, you know, pulled that jersey on with pride and he was just tough and... I think that's just his mentality towards the game, you know, not just general strength, just his mentality to want to succeed and be better. Cos, I'm going to torture you and try and get you to say something nice about Paul, but, you know, the guys are right. Like, you know, there was a period there where he was this young, full of bravado, grubby player. It was, you know, <laughs> you read through some of the background of him and it was elbow this, elbow that. Mickey had it right. He spent half his season uh, suspended, but then he becomes a leader. Uh, then he becomes captain, then he becomes the club. You know, when you think about the Cronulla Sharks, it's Paul Gallen. Cos, talk to me a little bit about how that journey kind of happened because, you know, he basically went from rogue to one of the great leaders in our game. And, you know, we'll talk a little bit about that that, that fairy tale um, sort of moment for him. But, yeah, that, that leadership's a big part of his um, story. I don't know why you're doing this to me. But, no, I think, well, part of that is the longevity because he he obviously he cared so much for the club. He stuck around. So um, yes, I'm being nice. And I did say he has an incredible work rate, so that was being nice as well. But I think, yeah, that the longevity, the fact that the, the loyalty that he showed to the Sharks as well, I think that um, that's to be commended. And that, 
that showed it, his his growth towards um, being a mature leader, I guess, um, because you can't get away with doing the things that he was doing all the time. And then you've got, got to learn, you know, if you want to stay on the field, you have to, you know, be more mature and a cleaner player. So that also helps. And then once I think when you get the captaincy as well, you know that people are relying on you to, you know, to lead the way. So um, he, he was able to do that and then, yes, got a, a nice reward at towards the end of his career with, with that premiership. And I think, you know, <clears throat> you know, I, I've got a bit of a friendship with the great uh, Chatty Townsend and, uh, you know, obviously he loves Gal and, you know, that they built such an incredible leadership there. And I think part of it is like, you know, could you imagine, <clears throat> excuse me, some of the younger forwards coming through that, you know, he's not that guy that really significantly declined in the back end of his career. I think that's one of the things that was most impressive with Gal. Like, he probably retired at the right time. He didn't play for three or four years too long and, you know, was coming off the bench for 15 minutes. Here's a guy who was giving, you know, he was giving it his all in training, in games, and you're a young forward coming through. I mean... You know, you, you've got to, you've, you, you've just got to follow the leader. So, um, yeah, absolutely incredible. All right, um, Keown, Melbourne Storm supporter, uh, Cronulla Sharks, Paul Gallen. I mean, it, you know, it, it does, it does get spoken about in terms of this incredible rivalry that these two clubs have. And you know, I'm going to be honest. You know, when I look at the Melbourne Storm, especially during some of those periods, I just think invincible. They're going to win. You know, that they were just banking during finals. But there was a little moment where Cronulla got the better of you, my friend. And, uh, yeah, Cronulla finally broke through. They finally broke through the drought. Probably a little bit of a painful memory. But, yeah, what what are your memories of that grand final and that, that sort of, uh, yeah, that incredible performance from the Sharks? Yeah, I was at that grand final, unfortunately. Ooh, um, just sit through that heartache that day. Um, I'm not one that's a big fan of the Sharks as a club. Anyway, I, yeah. I like the fact that they hadn't won a premiership. Um, I really respect the fact that Gallon is a one-club man because, you know, that loyalty is not here in the game anymore. Um, but, yeah, just to see them lose the way they did and how exciting that game was right till the death, um, it's a pretty hard loss to take. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty special because, you know, you, you just felt like, you know, Melbourne Storm, they just had it over the Sharks for a for, for a long period of time and then there was just, you know, some improvements that they made to their game and suddenly it just became this absolute slog fest. And, you know, one week Melbourne Storm were putting the cleaners through through a team, you know, 20, 30 points, this is easy, we're going to win it. They'd come up against the Sharks and every time they would suck them into that sort of uh, trenches warfare and, uh, you know, the Sharks, they, they often got the job done there. So, but there we go, Paul Gallen, um, what an incredible, incredible uh, career. And, you know, obviously we don't have enough time to talk about, you know, I, you know, all of his achievements, but, you know, he obviously broke through at origin level. He went through so much pain and suffering. You just wonder, and I know it gets spoken about a lot, but, you know, had a few things have not fallen Paul Gallen's way, like, you know, if he didn't come up against... Am I being dramatic here? Three, four immortals, five immortals. How many immortals were in that Queensland team? Uh, maybe um, that looks that that CV looks a little bit um, better as well. And then again, have to stress that you know when they sat down to pick an Australian team, yes, all all of the Queensland immortals were picked, but Paul Gallen was um, was certainly a big part of that there. And yes, all the best to Paul and his uh, heavyweight boxing career. But for the love of God, uh, let's try and get this Sonny Bill Williams fight sorted.
All right, team. Well, how we round off this one is just a bit of a chat um, quickly about where we think Paul's going to fall in, in terms of some of his, uh, you know, the awards that may or may not be coming now that he's retired. So we think about the Hall of Fame. We think about Immortals. So I'll quickly go around the grounds. Where do we think Paul Gallen kind of sits when it comes to the Hall of Fame, Immortal status? Um, what's your thoughts? Uh, Mickey? Um, I think definitely Hall of Fame. I, oh, I, don't, I don't think he breaks through the Immortal status. Um, but, yeah, I definitely would say Hall of Famer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, i, I got to agree with you. Hall of Fame, uh, not the immortal status, probably need a couple more premierships there. And, yeah, Queensland gave him a little bit of battering at origin level. So we'll probably, uh, not not his fault, but uh, that'll probably go against him. Uh, Cos? Yeah, I agree with Nikki. I will have to concede, yes, Hall of Fame, but not, not an immortal. <laughs> Sorry. But, yeah, no. But, yeah, he does have a, a pretty impressive CV and, yes, to, to be um, that many games and to, to captain, you know, be a one-club player and captain your team to a premiership is a pretty good achievement but not immortal status in my in my book. Keon, you're, you're a Melbourne Storm supporter. You're allowed to hate, you know. We, I mean, I'm putting everyone in the Hall of Fame, you know. I, I really am. So if you want to jump out there, but, yeah, what, what's your thoughts, my friend? Hall of Fame or oh. Yeah, I'd have to agree with um, Cos and Mickey there. I definitely think Hall of Fame, not an immortal. He, you know you know what you're going to get from him. He's always there. He's trusting, but he's not that, you know, left field special player like the ones where Padway, Andrew Johns and that in the game. Mia, I'm, I'm guessing we're going to go with a bit of a clean sweep here. In fact, we could probably vote him in uh, tonight for the Hall of Fame, but <laughs> it is difficult when you talk about immortal status for a lot of these great players that are coming through the modern era because – we just know there was just that stack that are going to have to make their way in. So it just feels like it's going to be very, very difficult outside of your Cam Smiths, your Billy Slaters and those types of players. It's going to be very, very difficult for others to be considered because there's a little bit of a little bit of a, a waiting list there. Yeah, you're exactly right. And I think um, touching on what you said earlier, I think Paul, it's a bit unlucky that he did come through in that sort of generation of, of Queensland talent that let's be honest, they're freaks. Like it was just a rare sort of decade of of um, exceptional talent that came through from Queensland. So had he had he come through in another decade, who knows? You know, maybe maybe he his performances uh, they go to another level, or you know, they 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 stand out a little bit more because they're not up against these absolute like freaks of the game. I do definitely a hundred percent think Hall of Fame. Um, but I also feel like, yeah, he may be a little, not hard done by, but just given the talent he was up against, um, that would be a, a big factor as to why immortal status probably isn't coming his way. However, um, yeah, different decade, different players, maybe different story. Yeah, we'll see We'll see how it all plays out. I mean, even if GI had have played for New South Wales like he should have, I mean, you know, while we're there, <laughs> you know, Hunter Sports High, if he played for the Newcastle Knight, anyway, we, we can go down that rabbit hole. But uh, there we go, Paul Gallen, one of the all-time legends of our game and, um, yeah, still kicking around in media and boxing, so great to see his great personality um, in and around our game. All right, team, let's jump into the match. The most anticipated match in history, ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble. All right, team, let's dive into the match. And this week we uh, kick off some new coach battles. Uh, and this week we've got a beauty for you with uh, Craig Bellamy coming up against Ivan Cleary. Um, well, who wants to go first? Mickey, talk to me a little bit about this one. Um, you know, there's no sitting on the fence when it comes to Mojo Sports, but... 
I certainly didn't make it easy on you, my friend. Uh, Craig Bellamy v. Ivan Cleary. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Where are you going on this one? Um, I'm not going to. I thought that it was a pretty easy um, battle that Craig Bellamy is going to win. <laughs> I just think his, like, CV in terms of his coaching is just greater than Ivan Cleary's. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to argue. I mean, a lot of people put Bellamy in the goat status. I think he's got a little bit of a challenge on his hands right now. I hate to be prisoner of the moment, but you know, like I, you know, like I've kind of said on the podcast last few months, um, next year all those forwards are walking out the door as well. So this is going to be a really, you know, this is going to be a new coaching challenge for Craig, um, and then you know, eventually he's probably going to step aside. So I think. Yeah, there's this last yeah. little chapter is going to be very, very interesting to Craig. Okay, so you've got Craig Bellamy against Ivan. Because um, it was interesting putting this together because, you know, typically this is the Craig Bellamy-Wayne Bennett debate. Now, he's obviously got his feet up there at Redcliffe working on a tan, getting a few players, um, SMSing uh, Cam Munster, I think, apparently, trying to get him trying to get him up there. But, you know, Ivan Cleary, he is a player that, that – he is a coach, sorry, that – a lot of people respect he's done something very, very special there at Penrith and you kind of forecast that out. I mean, Nathan Cleary, he's still a baby. Anyway, what's your thoughts on this one, my friend? Bellamy v. Uh, v. Cleary. I do have to agree with Mickey. I think Craig Bellamy, just um, just the fact he's like the coach's coach. So people, when you talk about coaching, it's the first thing you think of is Craig Bellamy, I, I think anyway. Um, just... I don't, it's a strange one because you, you see his style in the box and you go, that's not how I'd like to coach because that's just too emotional. But when you, you see how the players talk about him and how he prepares the team, you go, that is, I think, this, that's sort of a, a blueprint for how you do want to, you know, to interact with your players and be prepared. And you can, he seems to be able to get the, the very best out of all of them. And, you know, while the Storm have had many superstar players, they've also had a lot of guys that have just come up from, um, you know, local, like, you know, reserve grade, as they say, or, or from cup level and just get the absolute most out of them because he gives them a role, which is just do this, do your best at this, and that's what they do. So while they're having a bit of a struggle at the moment um, because they're dropping like flies, but every, everyone that's coming in um, to the team, they know what they're supposed to do um, and they're, they're trying to, to do it, but um he just, he, I don't know, he seems also to be able to find, um, pick out really good talent as well. But Cleary obviously is a great coach. I think um, I, I think it's great that he was able to get the Warriors to a grand final and they're still searching to win that. Um, and I wonder if he was still still there, if, he, if they'd be able, you know, a bit, bit more consistent as a team, the Warriors. But I think um, just Bellamy seems to be like the coach's coach and I, I just... I think he wins this one. Yeah, no, it, it's totally fair. Mia, uh, this Craig Bellamy fellow, he can coach, can't he? Because, you know, exactly what Cos is saying, like, you know, yes, he's coached Billy Slee, you know, all, all of these amazing players, but it's those players with the 15 on their back or the 16 or, you know, obviously this year is ridiculous. He's got players outside of his top top 30, but, you know, Cos is exactly right. These are players who were struggling to make the 17 at other clubs. They weren't really fitting, fitting in. They weren't really settling. So, as much as ultimately a lot of his coaching success has been with the superstars, he is a coach. He is coaching up these players. He's making them better. Um, even a guy like Nick Meany, I think, is a little bit of an example of that. Anyway, talk to us a little bit about this Bellamy-Ivan Cleary clash because, um, yeah, it appears that Bellamy, he's in a bit of a league of his own at the moment. 
Yeah, he absolutely is. I mean, I, I love Ivan. I love, I've got a bit of a soft spot for Penrith growing up down there. So I, I love to see the club do well. But the thing with Bellamy is that he's so systematic. He can take, you know, any team and he'll have the blueprint ready to go. And that is, as you touched on, that is why you can have these players with the 15 on their back or 17 on their back and they slot straight in. They know exactly what their role is and and that blueprint is there waiting for them. And that's on the back of his great coaching. Like if you don't have those systematic approaches in place, then when you get these guys pushing up from the younger sort of grades or, you know, you've got these injured players that are out and you've got these sort of um, inexperienced players that have to be thrown into these key positions, uh, it just doesn't work, you know. So that is why he is, you know, known to be the GOAT of coaching. I think that's fair to say. Uh, I think he's proven that time and time again. And, yeah, he's sort of in a league of his own. I think Ivan is is definitely um, chasing his tail, though. You know, gonna, give it another. Guys, yeah. he's, he's going to win some rings. Ivan yeah, is going to win some rings, and I think uh, – you know, he's a bit younger, Craig's, Craig, you know, he's not going to be around forever. And, um, you know, I think, you know, 10 years from now, it's going to, it's going to be really interesting to see what, what Ivan's CV uh, looks like. Um, Keown, you know, you're sitting back with a massive grin on your face because, you know, everyone here is telling you how amazing your coach is. I mean, God, what it would be like to be a Melbourne Storm supporter. I could only imagine. Uh, you're obviously going Craig Bellamy, but, you know, tell us a little bit about that, but, but also how you're feeling about, what I was talking about, this final chapter challenge. The reality is is that probably looking to only coach for a few more years, it is going to be particularly challenging. There is going to be a big turnover, but he still has that core nucleus of a spine. And it just seems like he's going to throw everything around that, do his little coaching mastery. But anyway, t- talk to me a little bit about your own sort of uh, thoughts on, on these last few years here for, for Bellamy. I mean, I was lucky enough to work at the club. So I got to experience firsthand him being there when I was there in 2008. And he just creates this incredible culture and environment that everyone wants to buy into. Um, And there's no secret as to why they're so successful as a club because him at the helm, he drives all of that. You know, you have a look at when we lost all the big three players that went, you know, Cam, Cronk, Billy, once they all eventually went, he still created a team that could be successful. Now, that, now that's so, not normal. Now that because we 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 were we weren't okay as opposing fans, but we knew we we, we copped it the, the Melbourne Storm dynasty because we're like when they retire, it is all over and we will get our justice. But anyway, can continue because uh, that didn't happen. <laughs> we we reloaded with it with a few uh, modern day special players, and it just seems like this thing's ne- never. And I mean, like. So much so that even all those bench players, those guys are going on and becoming marquee stars for other clubs. You look at Nico Hines and yeah, exactly, yeah. incredible. And and you know that's what his challenge is that lies ahead for the rest of this season. And I have full confidence in the decisions he'll make and the opportunities that some of those players get that they may have never got. You know, with the injuries we've got, but I'm really interested to see how Cleary will react now to losing mm. both his halves. You know, he's got to finish the season out while they're going to make finals. That's all well and good, but you're faced with the challenge now that Bellamy was faced with a few years ago. But that was a permanent challenge. What what is he going to do? You know, for that in the next five rounds before heading into finals, and how's he going to get his team to 
build around without the, his his main leaders and direction on the field. Um, I think that's a, that's a really good point. And I think the other challenge for Ivan is he was able to bring together a really young group together, coach them up really well, did a fantastic job. But now the game that he's going to have to play is this game of the salary cap. You know, we're already seeing Kikau, who's obviously going to move on. The team's going to be pulled apart. Capewell, I think he's an under, un, undervalued, underestimated player. He's up there changing the world for the Brisbane Broncos. It's going to get to the point where the Panthers are going to slowly lose more and more players like the Melbourne Storm do. They'll keep their nucleus. They'll keep Nathan Cleary. Um, but, yeah, you know, he's going to have to do the Bellamy thing and coach up the rest of the roster. So it's going to be very, very interesting. But there we go, team. I think we've got a clean sweep there for Craig Bellamy. Sorry, Ivan, mate, that was, uh, that was a tough coach to come up against. But stay tuned next week. We'll, we'll throw in a couple other coaches there and continue this debate because um, there's a lot of coach chat happening in and around the game at the moment. Uh, check in with your team. How is your team's coach going? No comment from my Newcastle Knights, but uh, get in touch with with us here at Mojo Sports. Send us some, uh, send us your your information, your comments through on the socials, and uh, let's start a conversation about it. All right, team, let's jump through to our final segment for tonight, Rapid Fire. And we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Sincere apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Are you okay? Oh, my boss is singing closing time. Maybe that's what you're doing. All right, team, let's dive into our repair shop series here on Rapid Fire. And this week's team that we're bringing in uh, to do a bit of an all change, a bit of an evaluation and trying to determine how this team can improve and take that next step is the Canberra Raiders. Mickey, a bit of a local-ish team for you, despite you uh, following all things Bondi and the Sydney Roosters. Going to start with you. Canberra, a weird team, my friend. Honestly, yes. like I was looking at their <laughs> list there's a few specific things that we'll talk about, which obviously, you know, probably doesn't make a lot of sense. But you look at their list, you look at their early season performances, and it just didn't make sense. It clearly didn't make sense to Ricky Stewart because it was aging him terribly. He was he was blowing a gasket each and every week. But, um, you know, things are slowly turning around a little bit, So, um, but still improvements to be made. So, yeah, what what's your vibe on the Canberra Raiders? How do you think they improve? Um. Yeah, I don't know. I was like thinking about this earlier. I feel like they're obviously they're not very consistent, so they could improve that. However, um, but I was looking at it. There's a lot of younger players coming through with the Raiders. I feel like in terms of their sort of development and um, pathways and everything, I I think they're doing the right things. Um, so I think they will they will get there. Um, in a matter of time, I like I was looking at even just the ladder before. Like they're sitting at night. Like they're not sort of down the bottom with like your tigers and titans, where there's clearly something wrong. Um, yeah, so I don't. I wasn't too sure on how to. No, gosh, sure. but, but consistency. Yeah. You want you want them to play better, more consistent football each. And yeah, every and week. it might. Yeah, that might even come down to. Like, I don't know, I always feel like they're always losing someone to an injury or something. Like, there's always something like that happening. Um, or a lot of their players, I don't know, seem to just move on to other teams and then they're randomly all of a sudden getting players from other teams. There's just, like, a lot of that happening. But, um, yeah, again, in terms of, like, their younger players and pathways, I think they're, they're going in the right direction, which a lot of teams I feel like haven't got that yeah well look and i know it's cold down there in canberra we're starting to see a few more green jerseys out there on the street so things are starting to look a little bit better but 
yeah, usually, you know, they win one, they lose one. They've sort of been that football team for a few years, but that, that start to the season really just uh, put, a, put them in a world of pain. Cause how do you fix it? Well, fix Canberra Raiders. You know, they, they probably don't need as much fixing as some of the, the bottom teams. But, again, there's, there's fans out there that, you know, want to see this team back there. Because, you know, only what was a couple of years ago that this, this team was in the grand final. Yeah, I had down consistency as well, the performances and the fact that, you know, um, any if they're leading by any any amount of points, I don't know if as a fan you can trust that they're going to hold on to that. Um, so I had consistent performances and maybe controversially the coach because I know Sticky is heart and soul of um, the Raiders there, but maybe maybe they need a fresh oh, outlook there. They just, re- just resigned I know as well. they they did, and I, I think if it's the same things happening and he's been there for a while, maybe it's a coaching thing or just getting someone in to help or just to change it up a bit because um, I, as a coach, he, he's quite an interesting character, so maybe is he getting the best out of the, the players because they're just so inconsistent from game to game and not being able to focus from half to half as well. Um, yeah. Maybe that's a coaching thing. No, d- definitely. Look, for me, uh, for the Canberra Raiders, it's their spine. It's their one, six, seven, and nine. They've often got, I- I'd say that they- they've often had a couple of good players in-, in those positions, but they've really struggled to have four high quality players that are fit, that are healthy, that are playing a lot of football together, that are building combinations. When I look at the Canberra Raiders, they've always had this big, fierce forward pack. They've always, you know, being able to win the middle, that's something that the Canberra Raiders have always been very consistent with, but they need better play from their spine. So obviously all roads lead back to Jackie Whiten. I'd like that to not be the case. I'd like them to be able to build a football team where there's not so much pressure on Jack and Jack can play his natural game. You think about, I mean, you know, we joke about it, but you put a Jack Whiten in some of these top-tier teams and he would absolutely destroy this league I just feel like sometimes when there's a little bit too much pressure on him it's a little bit too much so you know they've gone in some pretty good direction Jamal Fogarty there at halfback uh they've made it they've made a decision there with their young um with their young fullback moving on Charles Nickel Clockstar who you know move on at the end of the year and then they've got a bit of a combination there at hooker but again just I don't feel like they played enough football and even when they do I still I still watch them and feel like they're a little bit clunky. So um, combos, combos, combos there from their spine. Uh, Mia, Canberra Raiders, let's try and fix them. I oh know. It's um, it's a tough one to explain, isn't it? Because you look at their, their squad on paper and start of the season, you think, all right, here we go. Raiders might might give us something here. And then as a Raiders fan, you just like got your hands on your heads at the start of this season. But I do actually think they're tracking really well at the right time of the year. Um, coming into the back end of the season, I think they're playing some good footy. And if you have a look at their run home as well, like their next game against Penrith um, and, you know, an under sort of strength side there that they're going to have for the next game. And then they're like, like the rest of their games for this season are all bottom eight teams. So I think they're going to finish a lot better than they started. Um, so I think if I'm a Raiders fan, I'm I'm feeling a little bit confident about the the run home. Uh, I think they're tracking well. I don't know if it's a coaching issue. Like I I love Sticky, um, and he like Cos said, he is the heart and soul of Raiders. I I'd be devoted as a non Raiders fan to see him, you know, leave the club. Um, but who knows? That could be that could be something that is um, not not sort of bringing that cohesive structure to the team. I think definitely. The spine is is massive. I, I love I love that little um, I love the combination now with Jamal and, and Jack. I think it's freeing Jack up a lot. And 
you know, you see him when he plays at origin level, at that top elite level, he is playing, he plays outstanding footy, you know. Yeah. So I think, like, you're right, there's a lot of pressure on him at club land. Um, and sometimes I think he overplays his hand, you know. He's a little bit too in his head and you can see he's got, like, three options in his mind and then, you know, unfortunately it can be, you know, not the best option that he goes with nine times out of ten. But I think now with Jamal in the halves as well, offers him a little bit of um, stability, that support there. He knows he can count on him and, yeah, He's playing good footy at the moment, so he yeah. could bring him, bring him home. No, it's going to put him in a pretty good position. Um, Keown, let's talk about um, a couple of little things with the, with the Canberra Raiders. Obviously, they blooded the young kid, Xavier Savage, this year. It's been up, it's been down, you know, like, as a Knights fan again, I've been there. A lot of, we've debuted a lot of young players, and it's a bit of a roller coaster. You know, what's your, what's your thoughts on Xavier there at fullback? Because that's obviously going to be a big part of what they're doing next year and probably one of the things that we don't really want to talk about. But Jared Croker um, taking up a huge amount of their salary cap, absolute legend, soul of the club. But, you know, I don't want to be that guy. But that's a really challenging situation as well when, you know, you, you, you've got to be a realist. It's very competitive out there in the market. Every dollar counts. So, yeah, talk to us a little bit about young Xavier Savage. But also too, um, Jared Croker, bit of a bit of a challenging one there for the Raiders. Yeah, I think um, Savage is he's he, under the high ball on that. He's not got to stop dropping that football. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's got a yeah his, his error rate there, and he plays in such a pivotal position that you know you need someone there that at the back you've got that safety net that you're not just grinding in your red zone all the time. So I don't know. It's a funny one because I would have to agree with Coz. I don't know whether or not Ricky's the right person for the players that are there. They've got good players, but he can't find a way for them to gel and all work together at the moment. Um, And I know, like, you look at some big players that have left and moved on and, you know, there has been talks and whispers around saying that they just don't like his coaching stuff. And they've moved on. But to you, to you, what you said about Croker, yeah, money's huge. I mean, I'll, I'll make a comment about one of your players and me as a oh, Caelan Ponger, most overpaid player that never <laughs> plays any footy. Like, well, you've yeah, got I'll to be, weigh it, it up. Plays, plays a fair bit of footy for Queensland. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, only rep footy, only rep footy. But, yeah, you've got to you've got to have a look at that and you've got to see where your money's got to be spent and it's got to be in your spine to get your team going. Like, you know, you put Jack White in the Knights, completely different team. Mm. I (laughs) I wouldn't even be surprised. I don't know if Jared retires. Yeah. Yeah, Possibly. Like, because his injury earlier in the season, like, that's, that same shoulder that he's just had issues with. So, that could, that could be something Patch him up, send him, send him to Super League. Look, I, I, I don't want to be that yeah. guy that sends on a legend. I get one game player. He's done everything for Canberra. But, look, you know, when you're scraping some cash together, you're trying to make some differences in the, in the market. Um, I think, you know, there's going to be a few players move during the offseason. Uh, a couple of players we didn't talk about. Joseph Tarpane, uh, have we seen a better footballer? I still uh, am a bit emotional. We lost him from Newcastle. Again, not to bring everything back to the Knights, but, yes, we did lose him. Um, punished him by making him train by himself as a young kid because he went and signed with the Raiders. Still salty about it. But, no, he. Is outstanding. Uh, what an incredible football there. All right, guys. Well, look, there we have it. Uh, Canberra Raiders, they are sort of, you know, they, they brought in a, a few players. They're making a few different moves in and around the spine. But, um, yeah, hopefully they can, uh, yeah, have a bit of a crack at the playoffs this year and um, continue to build into next year. 
All right, team. Well, that's all the time we have uh, tonight. Just want to thank my amazing panel, always bringing the heat as we talk all things rugby league. Welcome again uh, to our, our our new starters. It is so excited to have you guys as part of our team here and our family here at Mojo Sports. Uh, Mia and Keon, it's um, yeah, it's great to have you on board. And uh, yeah, killed it. Did did uh, did some great things on debut. And to our listeners, we really do appreciate your support each and every week. We're checking the stats. We're seeing them going up overwhelmed by your support um how can you continue to support us it's simple so so easy just continue to download the podcast share with family and friends tell a neighbor tell a friend speak about our podcast at work uh we really do appreciate it thank you for choosing mojo sports and until next time we'll catch you then